Hello there, and welcome back to Tales from a Cult Insider. I am your insider and former cultist, Jared Garrett. I am here to whine at you about my childhood. No, that's not true. I'm just here to tell you some stories, guys. Um, just a quick recap, as most of you lovely listeners know by now, I was born and raised in a cult that also functioned as a commune. It was real. It was for reals. Crazy, right? It started out in the 60s as this offshoot of Scientology. It was called the Process Church of the Final Judgment. It was a little infamous back in the day. There's a lot of myths out there uh, that I'm happy to dispel. If you have any questions about that, maybe I can dispel them. Send them my way. Uh, I was born, when I was born, in the month I was born, that that Process Church thing actually schismed. Um, and there's a group that kind of stayed dedicated to the process, which I assume many of them are still part of the process because it still exists. And then most of the people followed Marianne, the murky enigmatic leader of, uh, what had been the process into something called the foundation faith of the millennium, which is what I grew up in, but I only knew it, knew it called, uh, the foundation faith of God. I never knew it was anything other than that actually until mm, almost golly, pro probably, 20 years almost after leaving the whole cult. So that's how close to the vest they played stuff. I don't know why they didn't share. Anyway, uh, so, you know, now the cult is gone. It's Best Friends Animal Society. Da, 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 da. And here I am to tell you about being a kid in this cult commune that I lived in. And so let's launch into that. And by, oh, I should give you the, the quick pointer about my email. You can reach out to me at... Jared at jaredgarrett.com. Uh, comments, questions, uh, speaking appointments, or, or, or arrangements. Uh, please feel free to support this podcast. This is episode 22. It's called A Loving Hippie with a Temper. I don't have any questions right now on in a question bank from anybody. So we're going to get right into this. But I wanted to just take a minute and talk a little bit about what this podcast is doing. And um, what it's not doing. So, first off. I have a lot of respect for what Best Friends is doing now. Um, yes, I helped build that thing. It was cool. Uh, quote Obama, you didn't build that. But I did, actually. <laughs> and they didn't build that without us. They built, there were a lot of us kids who went out there, as I've talked about in uh, some previous episodes. We helped build that sucker. I have a lot of respect for it. I think they're doing a great thing. I think it's weird that they're still as tight-lipped about us kids as they are. Um, for people who... You know, when we come back to visit sometimes, which I do so every very, very rarely, uh, I, you know, they greet me with some pleasure, and which looks unfeigned, and uh, they're welcoming and warm, and they're sweet. You know, they're sweet, aging people who've really accomplished an extraordinary good in this world. Uh, but there's never been an acknowledgement of, hey, you know what, maybe your life was kind of sucky honestly. And in all the narratives they've shared, they've never acknowledged that, you know what, 30 or so kids were born and raised in this commune cult that we used to run. Um, so as cop, as much as they've kind of written up their narrative of their history to try to, you know, forestall any expose stuff, they have not acknowledged the fact that we kids live and that we kids existed and that many of us had the lives that we did, both collectively and individually. Um, and so I'm not trying to get back at them. I'm not trying to uh, be acknowledged. I wouldn't mind them saying, you know what, everybody, let's just get this squared away. We had these kids and we admit that maybe their lives weren't that great. Um, that'd be fantastic, but I'm not doing this to score points. I'm doing this because nobody else has told our story yet. You know, uh, we vented at each other sometimes and many of the kids that I grew up with are still 
either still with best friends or they've gone back to help and that's fantastic for them and I respect that choice. I could never do that. There's too much baggage there. Uh, emotional baggage, which I just decide I don't want to really want to carry around. Uh, and in any case, I, it's time to tell the stories. And so that's why I'm doing this podcast, to tell the stories that have been me my whole life. Um, and that's why hopefully many of you are doing your own podcasts as well, to tell your stories. And, you know, to all cards on the table, I would love to have this podcast get really big and get really famous, like Lore, or, or that extraordinary and deeply disturbing one, Cold, uh, or Serial, uh, or anything like that, you know, or 372 pages we'll never get back. Um, I currently follow on, on Twitter The Art of the Podcast, a really great Twitter account that's giving me some really solid pointers uh, just in the way they talk about podcasts and in the way they share about how I can do this podcast. And so I really am trying to improve uh, in the way I tell the stories. And again, cards on the table, I'd love for this to go somewhere. Uh, it would be a disappointment to me to have had the incre incredibly unique childhood that I had uh, and have me not able to honestly profit from it. I profited from it emotionally, which has been great. Uh, I, I, I see all that stuff as armor and weapons to vanquish my difficult foes in this world and in this life, uh, not as baggage to drag me down. So that's certainly a benefit of it. I've, I've become a very resilient person because of the way I grew up. I'm also versatile in the number of things that I can accomplish. I mean, specifically, currently, I am muddling my way through building a chicken house. It's rather a big chicken house. I think it's fair to call it a chicken mansion. Um, and I don't know how to do that stuff, but I have used tools enough and I have grasped the general principles of making things that are strong and solid and that will uh, serve their purpose well for, because of the childhood that I had, because I built dog houses and because I built chick, uh, cat runs and helped frame out some things and do drywall. So uh, I, I don't regret the way I grew up. Uh, I certainly wouldn't mind being able to tell the stories professionally, uh, either through this podcast, making actual income would be great. Um, appearances would be f even better. I, mean, I have, I've done a couple here and there, but I'd love to do more, uh, have my memoir picked up by a big publishing house. That'd be great too. So yeah, this is, this is me trying to tell those stories in a way that's more accessible to, to more audience. Uh, and who knows, maybe it will turn into something great that this podcast saw a lot of growth in the last few months through, especially through October, November, and December and January, uh, February, that growth, you know, basically stalled and dropped a little bit. And then this month it's doing the same. It's dropping some more. And I, I worry that have I tapped up my audience? I don't know. So you guys, if you're this far already, do me a quick favor, tell your friends for real this time though, I, I do want your help and I really appreciate your help. Tell your friends about this podcast um, and rate it, review it, share it, uh, share links. You could do a big hashtag, Tales from a Cult Insider, or a shorter hashtag, Cult Insider, um, to, to share it on the social media, Instagram and Twitter and stuff. I'm on Instagram at Jared Garrett. You find me there. Uh, hit me up. Let me know that you're listening. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I have days that I am, um, I don't know, that I drag a little. I mean, today obviously has been one of those days, not obvious to you. I've been up since 4.30. Uh, I had to take my delightful wife to the airport for a, a trip that she had to do. Uh, and it's late. It's nearly 10 here where I, where I am. So it's been a long day already. And um, it's just going to get a little longer because i got more work to do. So in any case, 
hearing from you on Twitter or on Instagram or even Facebook, uh, my author page, would be just a giant shot in the arm, a huge boost. Um, I, seeing reviews come in would be really great. Ratings really come in would be great. Seeing uh, subscriptions climb would be wonderful. Listens climb. So I really appreciate so far everybody actually going out there and, and spreading the word. If you wouldn't mind doing more, that'd be great. Let's build our own cult. Let's not build our own cult. I sh I just, my skin crawls every time I make that joke. It's terrible. <laughs> it's nothing sacred. It's not, but it is. Um, I Again, so please, if you're feeling it, I'd love for you to share. Uh, share your favorite episode with your friends or on social medias. Media, medias is plural. media is plural. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. I've waxed quite uh, verbose about that. Now, you're going to want to listen to this episode, and we may make this a two-parter, depending on how far I get about this. Episode 22, A Loving Hippie with a Temper, is about my mother. So, the first line of my memoir, and hopefully this makes it through publication when that time comes, because I think it's really good, uh, is, It all started with a hippie named Catherine. So I want to tell you about my mother. Now, I shortened that to mom. And what you'll perceive as listeners and as people who probably had a mom and, a, and or a dad, uh, hopefully, I pray for your benefit that you had at least one of those. And both, really, because children are entitled to both of those. Um, when, you, when you hear me say mother or mom, you have an association with it. You have an emotional association, an association that, that, that is uh, comprised of probably many, many years of um, relationship, of time, like lots of time spent, of uh, probably arguments, but also sweet times, hugs and, and nurturing and, and food and conversations and activities and stuff. And that's okay for you to have that association, but please understand that I do not have that association. And it would be projecting for y'all to see that association when I say my mother or shorten it to my mom, because I never had that relationship. I never had that time spent. I never had any of those nurturing experiences. I spent some times with my mom, my mother, uh, but they are vanishingly rare. They were twice a year, twice a year, phone calls on my birthday and on Christmas. So a half an hour. So unless it was a summer that I was up where she was uh, after the age of 11, my, my contact with my mother was about an hour a year. My actual mother, right? Uh, and no other person treated me like their child as if they were my mother growing up, right? So that was it from age at least 12 on, possibly 11 on, I think it was 11 on, an hour a year, except that when we were shipped out to Best Friends slash uh, Angel Canyon to help do that work out there and spend those two months in a tent city uh, in the sands and those beautiful red sands and looking out over that extraordinary canyon, its width and the beautiful rolling gray, white hills and red and pink and browns. Just beautiful, man. Sometimes there, I would interact with her. There were a couple of times that we, we made dinner together, that I helped her make food uh, in that kitchen, because we'd done that when I was much littler, when I was much smaller. Sorry for that terrible grammar. I helped her do that, I think, in Pennsylvania, 
she taught me a few things about the kitchen. She taught me, uh, or, or I just sat, was next to her as she cooked and did things. And she sometimes let me do things like peeling potatoes and cucumbers, which I have my kids do now, right? So the tradition's there. Thanks, mother, mom, Magdalene. Um, and so, but I mean, d doing the math, it's, it's, a, it's less than a fraction. It's less than a tenth of a 1% of my life uh, spent with, in contact with the person who was my mother, my biological mother, right? Um, so I, I say all that, and it may I may have gone too too far into that, but I, <clears throat> it's a very different experience, um, very different experience. And because of that, I really didn't know her well. Um, just you know, spoiler alert: she passed many many years ago, and I'll get into that um, probably as this goes on. So um, yeah. There's that. And um, that, that's, that, that was my relationship with her. That was also very similar to my relationship with my father. I ended up spending a little more time with my father because uh, it sounds, from, from the sound of it, from the way we've talked about it, it sounds like he actually made efforts to be in the same chapter slash branch as me um, as often as he could, which is really good. It didn't turn out that it was very much, but it was there, here and there. Uh, to the point where he, for my ninth birthday, was in Denver when I was there. And he bought me, with his allowance money from the, that he got from the cult commune, um, he bought me a, a crummy old used bike and made sure it worked. And then helped me change, not change, he helped me repair the tire when it with its first flat. He showed me how to, you know, scrape the rubber a little rough, uh, put some rubber cement on it and let that dry just a bit just a bit to the touch, and then put the patch on. He showed me how to do that. I remember him pumping up the tube and putting it in a bucket of water to find the hole uh, and then circling with a ballpoint pen where the hole was. Uh, and so many really, truly heartfelt, loving thanks to my father for making those efforts and giving me those memories. I know, I know that they are a factor uh, in in the fact that I am not completely off the edge. Um so thank you, Dad. Um, but my mother, I never called her mom. The only person I ever called mom in my life has been my mother-in-law because I might as well have somebody in my life that I treat, that I, that I call mom. And she treats me like a son, you know, in, in as much as she can. Um, but back to my mother. So I didn't know her well. So what I'm going to have to tell you is the narrative uh, and some of my reactions and perceptions about her. Uh, quick caveat, I don't know if some of the things I, I'm going to tell you are, are, are totally accurate. I hope that they are, but they are, from, from my knowledge and my experience, accurate. I am finding that uh, because the cult adults played things so close to the chest, they never really shared any of their history with me, uh, with as far as I knew, me or the other kids. I don't even know how some of the other kids know what they know, but my parents never said anything about it. Um, and nor did any other adult. They never said anything about their history and what they were doing and what the whole point of this was. Um, so again, I, I'm telling you my perspective on this. And, and it'll, be, it'll be as accurate as I can get it, I promise you. There will never be any kind of glossing over or generality just to tell the story. I'm going to be accurate or I'll just leave it out. Okay? So let's talk about my mother, who I called Magdalene my whole life, but who actually, her name was... Catherine when she was born and that's also the name that she had when she first joined what at the time 
was the process church of the final judgment. So her name was Catherine, and she lived in San Francisco, a place called Palo Alto. Born and raised there, uh, her parents, I believe she was born there, definitely raised there. Her parents were accomplished people who had, I think, once lived uh, more on the East Coast, but moved up out to San Francisco, where my mother's father uh, was a research doctor at, I believe, Stanford. Now, when I say research doctor, I mean pretty serious research doctor. He discovered some something very impressive about the human body. I can never remember what it is. Uh, something about some nutrient or um, hormone in our bodies. And it made some good money uh, and uh, was lived in Palo Alto, which is an indicator that they made pretty good money. My mother grew up in that. She grew up in that particular environment of, of a very upscale suburb with several siblings. Um, my mother was the youngest of the siblings. She had, I think, three siblings, two sisters and a brother. And um, that was her life growing up, you know, what you would expect. And so guess what? When the 60s rolled around and she was a teenager, uh, or not a teenager, but in her 20s, she became a hippie. Yeah, she became a hippie. And, uh, but she did get married, um, probably, I don't really know. I think she probably got married early 60, um, like maybe even 59 or 60, uh, in that year or something around that time. And, and I have a picture of her first wedding. She's in a very nice white dress. She's talking to my grandma. They seem to be getting along and my mother's holding a cigarette. Um, beautiful, long, glossy hair, red and beautiful. She's a lovely woman, my mom. Um, and so she got married and sometime after she had a child, her oldest son, uh, my oldest brother, Daniel, uh, who, uh, we've talked about just recently in the episode 19, no idea how to mourn. And, you know, life was there and they lived in San Francisco. I don't know what they were doing with their lives, but when my oldest brother was a few years old, old enough to understand what life was and what changed when they, when life did change. The traveling group from the process church of the final judgment, or it it showed up in San Francisco, and they crossed paths with my mother and her husband and oldest son, who was at the time named Moss, and uh, my mother and her husband and joined up, and they brought their son, of course, because why wouldn't you, right? Um, but not long after, or not too much long after, maybe a year or two, I don't know, not too not too long, I don't believe. For some reason, my mother's husband left. I have heard that Marianne, that uh, enigmatic, mysterious, possibly very bad person who ran the cult, didn't like him very much and uh, pushed him out uh, in the, her whatever way she did. I've heard that that's what happened. I don't have any confirmation of that. And my mother never mentioned it. Never said literally word one about that relationship. And that's it. I had to call her and ask specifically what his name was. And I wrote that down for my own kind of family history type uh, story. But I, that's put away somewhere safe. And I haven't referred to it in, in some time. And nor would I want to just share his name. Because he, he's got a reasonable expectation of privacy. Um, so he left. But he left his son and his wife in this cult. Uh, and I don't know how much longer. But uh, she married one of the original founders. A man with a very thick accent, right? Talks right through his nose, you see. 
His name was John, and he spoke in a, in a somewhat of a nasal, and very, uh, many experiences that I had with him, he was smart, hardworking, and sweet, and good. Um, and sometimes not, but mostly it was fine. She married him, and they, not, not much longer after that, I believe, had a son, who is my older, other older brother who still lives, and who has a delightful, lovely family. We had this delightful chance, opportunity to, to, to spend a part of a day with them when we uh, were near where they live. It was really a very special uh, time, and I love those guys. They're a blast. And in any case, so she had this son, and some years later, my mother... Um, met the uh, this new guy who, and of course, my mother had moved around with the cult and her husband John, right, and their son, and then their new, and then her other son, who John actually adopted, and then um, at some time later, many years, I would think, uh, they ended up in Boston, right, and uh, that is where a guy named Bruce joined, and um. I've told some of this story before, um, and, you know, they hit it off, and their union was blessed. Uh, I believe they were, were given a spiritual, uh, you know, grant granting or mandate that they could be together, uh, even though my mother was still technically married to John, you know, right, John? And um, so I was born. Um, I was born, as I've said before, uh, right at the exact same time that the cult was schisming, and... Um, Hey, I caused it. I didn't cause it, no. And so I don't really know anything about the process. Or I, I didn't know anything about the process, and all I knew was the foundation. But, uh, yeah, I was born, and then some years later, they got married. Not entirely sure why. Uh, I, I really don't know why. It was just a cult marriage, and I was the ring bearer. And um, then that just kind of seemed to fade over the years. And then my dad, of course, married his new wife, Susan. And uh, they, they got along very well and had this lovely daughter. And one day, I'll tell you the whole story of that, but uh, I love them very much. They're all very dear to me. So, my mother. So, from what I know, from what I've been able to put together, she um, was, early on, it seemed like she might have been a bit of a star in the cult, right? Uh, when she joined up, her first, the name, whenever you joined this cult, you would take upon yourselves a different kind of, a different name. And it was supposed to be a significant name for some reason. I'm not entirely certain of what those names were significant for, but they were supposed to be significant. I think uh, indicating a new life, um, a new spiritual life, a new spiritual journey, and so on. And my mother, whose name was Catherine upon birth and until then, changed her name to Seraphine, which is a lovely, lovely name for like a dragon. And also my mother. My mother was a spiritualist in a way you could you could call her. Now I, these people were um, these people were like essentially former Scientologists, right? And uh, th she did what she some of the stuff that she did when they were still a lot closer to Scientology than what they finally became. Um, so, but but it, it <laughs> from what from what I hear, what she was doing didn't look like the Scientology that I've heard about now and that I've studied a little bit. In that she was doing tarot card, read card readings and energy readings, which I think may be a little Scientology, but without the E-meter, as far as I know. Although I assume at some point in her early time, she was doing E-meter stuff. But yeah, she was, she was good at it for herself, and then she became apparently very good at working with others. Um, she, 
that's probably partly because she was very warm, very sweet lady, uh, very kind, a strong sense of uh, wanting to help, of loving and service. Uh, that was just at her core. And uh, she tells me, she told me uh, one time when I was cooking by her side at the village at Best Friends um, that she used to work with Bobby De Niro um, in New York uh, sometime obviously years and years before that. So I, I'm assuming she was meaning Robert De Niro. Um, and she was, that's what she said. I have no confirmation of that, but yeah, she did tarot card readings. She did spiritual readings. She did all kinds of things to try to nurture and help people go on, continue on their spiritual journey to finding peace inside, peace in their lives, um, becoming at one with who they were and were, were are, and are, were supposed to become. And that was my mother for you. Um, at that time, right? Very spiritual lady. I have pictures of her, not many. I have a couple pictures of her in the get-ups that they would wear back in the day in the in the 60s and early 70s uh, and mid-70s as well, uh, wearing some of the interesting amulets and pendants that they wore. Um, I have a really sweet picture of her giggling or of her playing with me. I believe it must be me. We're pretty sure it's me. Um, when I'm a one or a little less, maybe a teeny bit more, and so obviously she, when I was born, she was my mother, you know, she, she was in charge of nurturing me and she obviously loved it. You know, she loved me very much in whatever way that she did that. Um, I won't question her love for me. I will question her choices though. Um, <clears throat> and her priorities. But by the time, um, things came around where the kids were separated you know, she was fully immersed and fully dedicated to this this organization. And so uh, while there's no uh, excuse for giving up your child uh, and your responsibility for your child to some organization, um, there's certainly reasons for it that can explain it. But again, no excuse for it. That's not, a, that's not an okay thing, honestly. If you're capable of it and you love your child, take care of your child. So... Um, so yes, yeah, so she was a reader, she was a helper, a counselor, she was friendly and sweet. Uh, and then she also became a bit of the public face of this cult for a time, actually. And I've mentioned this before, that she and her, this man, who was my, turned out was my father, um, were appearing on this program called AMPM over on the East Coast. Uh, they um, would go on their show a couple, I think they went on several times, and then AMPM came out to our house and did a little, you know, feature on the whole cult thing. Yeah, very articulate, very well-educated, at least. Uh, I believe she did college and everything. And um, also, she came from great stock. I've, I've met her family. Her family's great. I met my, my, my grandma. Um, I spent, actually, a few extra weeks with my grandma during one summer. Don't know why I got that privilege, but that surely, you know, contributed to my overall sanity, um, having that experience. I uh, met my grandpa. Uh, he died when I was still quite young, though, of prostate cancer. Um, I've met my uncles, my uncle John, um, and a couple of my aunts, Lydia and, um, and Emily, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, you know, so when she joined the cult, there wasn't like a cutoff completely from your family. Although there was a, something similar to that, you know, you, you kind of left your family behind, um, and you were supposed to give all to the cult, like inheritances and, and any kind of grant and money that you ever had went to the cult. But, you know, people did stay in touch. And her her family was a pretty solid salt of the earth. Um, very 
educated, uh, upstanding family. And so they did stay in touch, and I did get to spend some time over in California, in Palo Alto, with cousins, with just a couple cousins, Darcy and Seth and so on. And um, that was that. So after a time, I believe almost certainly not too long after the schism, um, and when it became more of the foundation, things sort of evolved a little bit for this cult. And my mother um, continued to, of course, speak, uh, and maybe that's even when it began, speak for the cult and in many ways be the representative because she was such an attractive and very articulate person. Her and my dad got along real well and did that thing, as I've said more than once, probably too many times. And as far as, that's all I know about her, uh, except for that my, these flashes of image, you know, of a swinging uh, necklace from hanging from her neck when she would interact with me sometimes. And um, not much else, honestly. Um I know that she's the one who gave me my hate of coffee. Uh, for my fifth birthday, I got, for my treat, I got iced coffee over sugared. It was disgusting, truly disgusting, and I never drank coffee again. Still don't. I hate that stuff. Um, also, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We don't drink coffee, da, 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 whatever. It's not a caffeine thing. We're not talking about that. Uh, and that. But that's that's all I know. It's weird that that's all I know about my mother. From those times, I don't understand why. I've, I've asked folks and everybody says nice things because she was a sweet lady. And there are a lot of adults who I interact with today every so often who knew her back then and say nothing but nice things. But I can't, I, I can't get a bead on uh, who she was and why she was making the choices that she was making. Um, but she, is, to her dying day, she was still basically a hippie. Um, she wanted peace and love in the world, as do I. Uh, and she had dedicated herself to a cause, and she wasn't going to leave it. The cause that she dedicated to her, herself to when she was, a, uh, you know, probably in her early or mid-20s. And she stayed with it her whole life. Um, so we're going to have to do next episode, episode 23, will be part two of this, where I talk a lot about uh, how I got to know her a little bit as I got older. And my, my interactions with her were, were very, very limited. But we did still get along. In as much as a person gets along with their mother, who is their mother, but they don't know how to be their son, and the mom doesn't know how to be the mom, and that is weird. It's so weird. It's like it's like we were in boarding school, right? But permanently. So we knew there was a parent out there or two, and we had to, and we talked to them, but there was, but we'd never been in their our parents' home, so we didn't have that bond or that longing, but we still spoke to them. Such a weird dynamic, and I don't know why you give up your your kids that way. I don't know how you can. I see my kids, and I get the hugs that I get from my kids, and the kisses that I get from my kids, and the need that they have for me to be their dad, and to be their rock, and to love them unconditionally, and I don't know how you say no to that. But we'll get into that a little bit more in episode 23, A Loving Hippie with a Temper Part 2. Then there will be episode 24. Spoiler, it's going to be called Okay, I Had a Crush. And that will be the end of Season 1 of Tales from a Cult Insider. Um, that's right, we're doing this in seasons. And we'll take a two- to three-month break. Um, and then we'll come back with another season, Season 2, of 24 episodes. Stay tuned. Come back uh, next week on Wednesday for Episode 23, A Loving Hippie with a Temper, Part 2. In the meantime, go listen to more episodes. Find your own podcast. Tell me what podcast you like. And share, and maybe click on that support link. 
Thanks for listening, guys. Stay thirsty for Guaraná.